Scott, you are a physiologist. Tell me about that. Tell me a little bit about what you do here day to day at Canadian Sports Institute. All right. Yeah. So uh, I'm an exercise physiologist uh, by training. Um, I work here at the Canadian Sport Institute in Calgary, and my primary sport that I work with is long track speed skating. So that's one hat that I wear. The other hat that I wear is uh, is what's called the IST lead. Mm. And so the IST is the integrated support team. So all of the science and medical personnel um, kind of report to me. And I try and keep them all on the same page and make sure that we're all driving in the same direction and trying to get the, the best performance out of the athletes. So really with those two hats on, um, to wrap it up in a nutshell, my job is to really help uh, the coaches make better decisions in, in training and make better decisions day-to-day with their athletes in uh, optimizing their performance. So tell me a little bit about coordinating the IST and working with researchers and doctors and then mm-hmm. you know bringing the coach into that. Yeah. Are you, a, for lack of a ter- better term, a babysitter? Are you a conduit? <laughs> How would you describe that relationship? Yeah, no, I, I think um, that relationship is more about trying to use all the experts that we have. So we have physiotherapists and massage therapists, mm-hmm. doctors, um, nutrition, dietitian experts, uh, strength and conditioning, physiologists like myself, uh, mental performance uh, specialists, and yeah. trying to identify where the real gaps are between the athlete's current state of performance and, and the ultimate goal performance, and then bringing, uh, bringing that group together and their whole their wealth of knowledge, their, their breadth of knowledge, and bringing it in to, to help optimize uh, closing those gaps, right? Optimizing, obviously, capitalizing on what the athletes are good at already, right? Not ignoring their strengths, right. but, but closing, closing down those gaps uh, as, as strategically as we can. And so that's that relationship is just bringing them together, having, having conversations, and then breaking out into smaller groups of special specialists and uh, and addressing the gaps with the people that are, are really going to key in on those areas. Having said that, I mean, you know, it's, it's not, there's a lot, everybody understands why they're here. I yeah. mean, there's, there's institutional knowledge to why everybody's here. So everybody is pulling in the same direction anyway, right? Yeah. So it can't be that difficult. No, it's not that difficult. I think it's the difficulty is just making sure that the same messaging gets down to the athlete from each one of us. Mm. Um, you don't want to have the athlete getting mixed messages from their coach and then from some of the professionals they're working with. And so yeah. it's just having those touch points, making sure that we're having those conversations, being clear and concise with what the real goals are uh, with each athlete and, and their program. How dynamic is the science? I mean, is it is it constantly changing? Is it different this year than it was last year? How would you describe that? Yeah, I mean, science is a self-correcting thing, right? It's just a method. It's, there's there's science and there's scientists, okay. right? And so you can't really argue with the science, right? But you can argue with the scientists. And it's the, <laughs> the quality of the scientist is, right. is what really matters. And so... Um, yeah, it changes. It changes, but it, and it's a slowly self-correcting, course-correcting um, mm-hmm. method of understanding the natural world is really what it is, right? And so, yeah, it does change. Um, and I, you know, I don't know where that question is coming from necessarily, but no, it does just, change. And so, uh, just, just I mean, it, it seems to me, for instance, you know, I had talked to Dr. Benson, right? Sure. And yeah. and concussion almost seems like that research is changing on a day-in, day-out basis. Yeah. So I'm, you know, is it kind of one of those things where somebody comes out of an office one day and says, hey, we just figured this <laughs> out, and we st- we got to make a change. I, I just, I'm curious about how dynamic information flows. Yeah, it is, it, it is dynamic. Um, yeah. The interesting thing with elite sport is that we're, we're dealing with the, 
you know, the 1% of the 1% of the population, right. right? And so a lot of times the science is done on, on athletes like myself or yourself or, you know, the, I, I the think you're using that word and, wrong, but yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> We're not athletes. Right. And so they are, they really are truly elite athletes. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, yeah. um, it, it's the, the depth of knowledge isn't there yet on their truly elite athletes. Cause there's not many of them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually difficult to get them to follow the, the very rigorous, um, controlled environment that you would have in a, in a true scientific study or a case, um, you know, so they, they end up being case control studies and, and they're much, much different in terms of the, the evidence that you get from that. And so it takes a, a long time to verify what you might find in the regular scientific literature to right. the elite athletes. Yeah. Uh, at the risk of, of suggesting that everybody's walking around in a white lab coat and, and mm-hmm. working with Bunsen burners, yeah. how, much of, uh, how much of your role is, is involved with analytics? How much yeah, a lot now. Is it? A lot nowadays, and that has something is something that has changed very quickly recently. Yeah. Um, we've had the help of of on the podium and some of the analysts that they've been able to to put together from financial groups and, and things like that. I'm see, I'm sure you've seen it in the media mm. recently, and so that's been a huge help to us in in terms of really starting to understand um, the athletes that are coming up through the system and trying to identify the things that matter. Uh, for for high level of performance and trying to identify those traits and those characteristics and those trends in the athletes as they're coming coming through the ranks. Do you have a lot of proprietary information that CSI uses that you, you know we wouldn't find anywhere else? Yeah. It, 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 you do, yeah. right? Yeah, there there is a lot. Um, it's one of those things where we try to share uh, amongst ourselves across the country so that we're optimizing Canadian athletes' performances, but we're very careful about not. Um, not really sharing that stuff around the yeah. world, right? And so it, it it's trade uh, secrets. Yeah, yeah. In a way, in a way, yeah. there there are quite a few. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say any of it's rocket science. We're still, <laughs> you no, know, but, but it is. Uh, there, there's for sure different different things that we do have that we we're very proud of and that we think are uh, are cutting edge and that we don't necessarily. Uh, just share around the world openly. Uh, Scott, uh, the risk of, of bogging down just on the one side, which is the doctors and the science. Yeah. Tell me about the work with the coaches and tell me about mm-hmm. the coaches you work with. Yeah. So that's the biggest one, right? Is the coach is the one who drives the program, mm-hmm. right? We always talk about things being performance centered uh, and coach driven, right? The athlete obviously is the one that has to put the skates on and get out there sure. and, and try and set the world record or win the gold medal. But, um, the coach is the one that makes all the decisions. Uh, the coach is the one that really is is writing the program and driving everything. And so, like I said at the outset, my job is to to really help that coach make better decisions. And the basis of that is trust. And so it takes time, right? When you start with a new coach, yeah. you start with a new team, you have to spend that time observing, uh, watching how they operate with the athletes, watching how their their programs run, and then uh, and then starting to make suggestions, starting to uh, get in there with the coach and build that trust and say, hey, have you thought about training them this mm-hmm. way? Have you thought about looking at this variable or this this technique and, and trying to, to then really make sure that they're doing a good job? And this is, I think, where I come in, a good job just at measuring whether things are getting better, right? They all have great, great plans, but to me, it's how are you going to measure whether the athlete is getting better? And Quality it's not control. always just about, it's not always just about, did they go faster on that race, right? Yeah. Quality control with that? Is yeah, that I think right quality, quality control could be, it could be a good one. But I think it's, again, just um, regular touch points, regular measurement yeah. so that we don't get too far off course. Right. Um, 
we, we've spent a lot of time here talking about the athlete. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious when you get a coach come into this system, yep. is it intimidating for them? Can it be a little overwhelming, the resources, the people, the you know, the information, the knowledge, even just the fact that you're there? I mean, it, does it take a coach a while to kind of figure out everything? Yeah, it does for sure. And that's, yeah. I think, why we really try and make sure that the IST is all of the same philosophy, that they're here to help mm. the coach make those better decisions. They're here to help get better performance out of the athletes, but it's not their show, right? And it's not the IST's show. It's yeah. it's, it's the coach and the athlete. And yeah. so uh, we try to stay in the background, um, you know, be seen, mm-hmm. don't be heard, but uh, be available and then be there to to uh, to help when needed and to be help to help when when asked kind of thing and I think that helps a lot so that we're not bombarding a new coach with hey now you got to spin all these plates you got to you got to be able to manage the sports psychologist and you got to be able to manage the physiologist and it's not about that we don't want that coach having more on their plate yeah. right their their focus should be the athletes and the performance how, you've been around for a while mm-hmm. how, how have coaches evolved what 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 have you seen in terms of coaching or coaches mm-hmm. here in the last little while um you know i think i think the the good ones are evolving by always trying to be better um they they realize that they're not you know what worked today isn't going to work tomorrow what worked two years ago isn't necessarily going to work at the next Olympics mm-hmm. and they always have to constantly be looking at improving themselves. So I think that's how they change. And, um, you know, they, there's still, I'm a scientist obviously. So yeah. the art of coaching is, is still there to, to a very large degree. You still mm. have to have that piece, but they are, they are starting to become more analytical. They're starting to utilize the numbers more and, uh, and it's, it's harder for some than others. It's easier for some than others mm-hmm. and it takes time. Um, but you, you know, it's uh, it's about trying to trying to improve yourself every day, and, and those are the ones that I see getting better. And so that those are the ones that are evolving. Yeah. The ones that aren't evolving aren't aren't trying to get better every day, and I think that's where they struggle. Well, you just blew up one of my go, uh, go-to questions for coaches because you said I'm a scientist and started talking about the art of coaching. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm I'm fascinated by coaching as an art or a science. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you? What do you think it is? coaching and art oh, it's or both. Science? it's both it, it is a blend isn't it it has to be a blend yeah. yeah it has to be i mean we're dealing with people yeah uh, and a lot of the problems we have are people problems they're not they're not physiological problems or strength yeah. problems or things like that it's uh they're people problems it's relationships it's communication it's being open and honest it's um it's putting everyone on the same level so that you know the athlete has input too right yeah. the athlete and the coach are the ones that but that's a change, that's right? Like that's a change, yeah. We come, that, that, mm-hmm. when I look at coaching, when I, I think about what you're talking about, I think, yeah. my God, you yeah. know, how society's come in just 10 years, yeah. you know, used to be able to, well, go through that wall. Now yeah. the athlete, well, tell me why I need to go through that's that right. wall, right? Yep. Yeah, they do need to see that. One of the things, I don't know if we'll get to it today in our, in our, in our talk, but one of the things that we do a lot of is monitoring the athletes. Yes. We spend, yeah. spend a ton of time collecting data on them. We try to make it... Uh, expedient for the athlete we don't want to bog down their day by making them fill out forms and mm-hmm. you know do lots and lots of things that take out of uh, take away from training but they um you know that that monitoring piece is is something that really provides a lot of a lot of information and a lot of help to to again drive yeah. that drive the, those decisions that are made 
Well, funny you ask, are we? Absolutely. Do you want to do it in the context of one individual athlete and tell the story of uh, Ted Jan Blauman? Sure. Tell me a little bit about this, because this is fascinating, and and the volume of information. Yeah, it's it's a big number there that we shared with you that we collected something upwards of 50,000 data points on on Ted between, um, you know, he would have come to us after the Sochi Olympics. It was when he really started training in in our program. Uh, then he won won two medals in Pyeongchang, one mm. of them the gold medal in in the ten thousand meter. And uh, yeah, we again we collect that data, but it's 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 almost happening just in the background. You know, he'll tell us how he feels each day. We'll look at some objective measures in his physiology uh, based on morning. It's it's kind of a glorified morning heart rate test mm-hmm. that uh, that you've you've probably seen or heard or sure. your stuff, right? Sure. And, uh, and, and lots of, lots of other numbers that are more like white lab coat stuff where we're a little bit less frequently testing his physiology in the lab and these sorts of things, blood work. And, uh, so we're taking all of that information and trying to understand how his body responds to the different training stressors that we're putting on him and understanding how those numbers look when he's at his tolerance limits Mm -hmm. and when he's fully rested, recovered and fit. Right. And, and that then enables us to to keep him within that bandwidth and and not get injured, not get get uh, get sick, uh, and and optimize the performance that way, and then really understand when he's performing well what those numbers look like, and so that's where some of that analytics piece comes in. Yeah. So so Scott, let's let's talk about this because we're talking about the quadrennial, right? Fifty thousand mm-hmm. data points. Yes. Through yeah. the quadrennial, yeah. Are, would we look at those four years and break them into? This is when we were learning about Ted. Mm-hmm. This is when we were testing Ted. This is when we were refining Ted. How would we break it down? Yeah, I would say the first two years were, we were really, really testing him, really trying to figure out where those limits were, right. really pushing the training camps, really mm-hmm. pushing his body to get to the point where uh, the numbers at least, and he was at least telling us, yeah, I'm at my limit here. Yeah. And then the third year is always about really trying to optimize the plan that you're going to then execute in the Olympic year. So the first two years, really learning about him. The third year, putting that plan kind of into action, still measuring along the way. And then the fourth year is really just refining that, that third year plan and, and hopefully getting to the, to the performance that, that is the goal performance at the start of the whole quad. How, is, how does he see that and view that? Because he's competing in those four years, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. athletes are athletes. Yeah. They, they want to win. Does he see the big picture? Yeah, I, I think he did over time, right? I don't think I don't think anyone sees it at the at the very beginning, mm-hmm. right? Especially coming to a new coach, a new program. You know, we obviously lay out the yearly training plan to him and the quadrennial training plan or the, the yeah. goals and things yeah, like yeah. that. Um, but he learned along the way. I mean, he learned that he needed to be more consistent in things, and he learned that through through the numbers and through his performances. Um, and then, obviously, when you get small wins along the way, that helps. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and did he, he, he did he, along yeah, I mean, he was world record holder two okay. years before the Olympics in the, yeah. in the 10,000 meters when he set that world record. Right. And then he set the 5,000 meter world record just this year, um, in the, the winter leading into this year's okay. Olympics. And so obviously those aren't little wins. Those are massive wins Absolutely. when you're a world record holder. And they're faith but building wins. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. But when he sees that and can, and connect, can connect the dots between, the consistency that he's he's brought to his programming and to his training, and then how that consistency leads to to better performance, then then it's easy. So w- w- with science stories, the, the media and the public always wants the eureka moment. Yep. 
Is the Eureka moment for Ted the medals at the end, or was there something that you could share in those in that four year build that okay now we're cooking? Yeah, with kerosene. I I mean. You'd probably have to ask ask him that question in terms of what was your real eureka moment. Um, our he, our real eureka okay. moment was was really that that ten k world record for sure okay. was one of the biggest ones, right? We, and then we really knew, okay, we've this guy's this guy's got what it takes. But we had done all the work, we had done all the gap analysis, and and really understood mm-hmm. what he really needed to work on. And then in the following year, we we were able to understand and identify through some of those 50,000 data points and boil it down to the ones that really, really mattered for him. And they may not necessarily really matter for, for another world champion or another Olympic gold medalist or a next gen athlete that's coming up. We, we sure. spent those two years, two and a half, three years, even just figuring out what, what numbers really, really meant the most for Ted. And then we could spend that uh, a little bit more energy and focus really watching those and making sure that those dials weren't getting too far out of whack. And, um, and then at the games, then, then we were able to make some small adjustments to his, to his program Mm -hmm. in the, in the days leading up to his medal winning performances to just make small adjustments. What what would a small adjustment look like? A small adjustment might be, okay, we had, um, you know, we had a few, strength training exercises planned for today, but the numbers are telling us that that might not be the most appropriate thing for him to do okay. in these final days leading okay. up. The numbers are telling us that we need to do something different. And so it might be, you know, jumping on the bike and, and working on some aerobic fitness, that kind of thing. Okay. So not technique or anything like that. Just no. Um, however, however, some of what, uh, some of what brought that to our te- attention was some mm-hmm. of the art of coaching mm-hmm. where having that trust between Bart Shouten and I, Bart is his coach, yep. um, where Bart could say, Hey, something doesn't look right in his technique on the ice. Okay. Uh, can we, can we see anything in the data that right. would help us decide what to do here? Wow. Yeah. Um, so Scott, w- w- it's over that quadrennial is over mm-hmm. those 50,000. I keep coming back to but yep. that's an incredible number. Mm-hmm. Where does that go now? Is that applied to, other athletes is that applied to ted where what what do we do with that information? yeah i mean so we're we're collecting that type of information on all the athletes that fall kind of within the top 30 or 40 in the world okay. type individuals that are falling under the programs that that bart coaches as well as his colleagues that are coaching at the same level uh, in this sport in this country and so we're we're talking somewhere between 25 and 30 athletes that we're monitoring on a daily basis at that at that level okay and we're starting the process over. We're trying to understand how each of them responds individually to the training program and then making adjustments uh, as needed as we go through. And it really, it's about identifying the, the numbers and the profiles that matter for those mm-hmm. individuals. Uh, and it, they're not going to be the same. And then at the same time, we're trying to be better too. So we, you know, we might bring in a different way to monitor. We might bring in different tools. And so we've started doing pilot projects with some of the athletes to, to look at different different tests or measurements that might give us a little bit more insight into their physiology and how they're, how they're responding. I apologize. I feel like I'm talking to Picasso and asking him, you like blue? Yeah. Um, <laughs> could something like this ever be done with a team? Could it be that, it, could yep. it be that in depth that it could go to an entire team? Yeah, totally. And I, I think some of, uh, you know, I, I picked this stuff up through, through the press. So I don't, I don't know this for sh- for certain, but mm. I, I believe a lot of the, 
a lot of the professional teams around the country in hockey, baseball, basketball, these sorts of teams, they're, they're employing individuals that are doing this sort of thing yeah. and trying to advise the coaches and saying, Hey, maybe that was a bit too much ice time for that athlete last night, or maybe, you know, maybe they need to do a bit more work because they didn't get enough ice time. And right. so they're, they're changing that program individually. But I would see your coaches being more readily willing to accept that data than say professional sports i think it's a lot easier in an individual sport for yeah, sure for sure because yeah. it's it's much more um accepted to to run them on different programs right but we still have to train as a team too right they still have to train with training partners yeah. and and so that group dynamic needs to be there as well so if you have athletes off doing different things all the time on very very individualized programs that that takes away from some of that group dynamic piece. And you need training partners to, in my opinion, to reach the, the highest level. My last one for you, what you do, mm-hmm. how much of it is driven and how much will it be driven by technology? Um, well, I think it's, it is for sure driven a lot by technology. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the tests that we used to do was, and that we still do is a heart rate variability. I talked about that yeah. glorified heart rate morning test sure. previously. That used to require me lugging a 20-pound laptop computer with with wires and probes and electrodes mm. and things and booking the athletes in on 15-minute intervals every morning and lying them down on the cold lab floor and measuring these values on them. Nowadays, I can I can have that athlete measure themselves using an iPhone uh, and even their thumb on the, the camera of the iPhone, and it will give me the same data. And so really what the technology does is it allows us to to measure the athletes much easy much easier much mm. more easily much uh much less invasive and and you know ideally get better cleaner more applicable data than uh than we would have in the past and and in a much more expedient fashion an easier way so. i have an idea i have one more yeah how many of the competitors that ted went up against in south korea would be in similar programs or having the same information available to them. Is this, um, is this unique to us in Canada? Is this, I don't, I don't think it's unique okay. to say, you know, I think really, you know, I'll answer this question and partly finish answering the previous one, I guess, in a way is that we all have the same technology probably available to us across the world, but it's really the people and how that data is analyzed and, sure. and then how it's used that really makes the difference. That propriety. So, propriety. That's right, yeah. yeah and yeah. so the, the technology drives it, but it's really the people that um, that are looking at that data and turning it into information that, that makes the difference. 